Welcome to Love Unlocks Live Sessions. I'm Heinz Winkler and uh, this is Tuesday, one o'clock. Our session is starting and thank you for joining us. It's so great that you are with us. Uh, Love Unlocks is the place where I chat to amazing people about their stories of how God's love has unlocked their lives. And it's brought to you by our ministry, Love Key, where we minister wholeness to families and unity to the body of Christ. And we want to see that healthy families build a healthy nation. So that's what this is all about. So thank you for tuning in. Please tell us where you're tuning in from and what you are expecting from today. And if you have any questions, please pop them on the comments. We can see them. We can read them. Uh, today, I've got a very, very special guest. Uh, but before we get into that, I just wanted to quickly remind you guys that uh, my wife and I are currently doing a marriage seminar that you can still join. You can go to Quicket and uh, the, the link is in on our Facebook pages and you can join us for that. And um, I'm very excited to announce that we are almost ready to release uh, the, my new song called Our Nation Belongs to God. And we want to do an invitation to make you a part of it. So if you want to be part of the music video for Our Nation Belongs to God, please pop us an email to heinz at lovekey.co.za and we will give you the information where you can record a little video of yourself singing along to the song and we want to make that part of the music video and have as many people as possible doing that. All right, but without any further ado, I want to introduce you to a very special man of God that uh, came into my life shortly after I did Idols. And uh, he taught me about discipleship. Initially, I didn't want to know anything about it. But when I realized how much I needed this in my life, it really saved my life, spiritually speaking. And so please give a warm welcome and a loud applause wherever you may be for my good friend, Philip Pretorius, yes, welcome, welcome, welcome. How are you? Oh, Heinz, it's good to be with you, my friend. What a what an interesting time meeting online. Yeah, so listen. Great to be with you guys. Yeah, it is, it is weird, but uh, we can adapt, and uh, by God's grace, we can do this. So thank you so much for joining us today. How, how are things in Pretoria, where you are? Twane, how's it going? Well, apart from load shedding and other things, it's going well. Oh, you know, man. We wake, up, we wake up every morning and, uh, you know, we've got life in our bodies. Um, we've got much to be thankful for. I think I said to our leaders this morning, if you could easily be negative about because you could find something negative every day of your life. But it, the, the discipline is more to find what is good. And there's so much we can be thankful for every single day when we wake up. And uh, so we rejoice. We're alive and we've got so many opportunities to actually be um, just the shining light in our nation. Yeah, so good. Awesome. Um, I see some people are popping on and saying where they're from. We've got Hanali from Wellington, New Zealand. Uh, hey, we've got Renee Cronier. How are you, Renee? <laughs> she says, hello, <laughs> hello, Philip. Uh, your wife is online. Hello, Anna Renee. Is it noch Renee? It's so cool. Thank you so much for joining us, everybody. We really appreciate it. Please keep telling us where you're from. And, uh, and as you listen and you have any questions uh, or comments, please put them on there. We can share them and, or we can try to answer your questions. Uh, it'll be so great to hang out with you. Uh, Philip, I would like to have the people get to know you a little bit better. I know you fairly well. Uh, the people in your church know you fairly well or very well. Um, I would love for them to also get to know you a little bit. You are married to the beautiful Renee. Uh, there she, you are with her and there's your beautiful family. I always like for people to get to know uh, the families of the people I'm chatting to. Please tell us, 
How long have you guys been married? Well, we've been married 20 years this year. I know, wow. you know, let me tell you a funny story. We were in Stellenbosch one day and somebody knocked on the door and Renee opened the door and the person turned to Renee and said, is your daddy here? <laughs> so, <laughs> hey, no. Yo. So my wife, my wife looks like she's 20 years younger. <laughs> I just keep her fit. Well and, done. Uh, no, she's um, no, I'm married to an amazing woman. We've been married now for 20 years. Wow. And, uh, That's amazing. You know, yes. It deserves an applause. Absolutely. <laughs> 20 years. So on the t there's, there's 20 is uh, something special. There's like you have to give a special gift like of a certain kind. I can't remember what it is. Probably diamonds. Well, I, promised my, I promised my wife I'll be with her for five months. Don't go to work. So <laughs> we got that right. <laughs> That's a big gift. That's a big one. That's awesome. Uh, and how did you guys meet? And how long was it from when you met till you popped the question to get married? Wow, that's 20 years back. So it's, you know, it's fresh in my memory. I was ministering on the Technicon campus here in Pretoria, where my wife was a student, and uh, she basically got saved in our church here in Pretoria and was part of the church for about a year and a half before there was anything between us. Okay. So, so I mean, basically, we, I mean, I saw there, and uh, after a while, you know, I was very careful not to, kind of engage with ladies on a non-ministry way because yeah. I was I was single and I feel like many times you can hurt your testimony if you don't walk the line of integrity. Of course. And uh, I knew God spoke to me one morning clear that I felt like Renee is my work, my lady. And then I said, God, if it's really you, I'm not going to help you. I'm not going to send flowers and start to flirt. I want you to speak to my wife without me speaking so that we can definitely um, make sure this is you. Yeah. And God spoke to my wife without her knowing. And she almost felt like, well, this is wrong. And she started to pray against it. Vike Satan. Exactly. And so I'm glad Satan did not, was not involved. Yeah, yeah. And uh, yeah, then we got together and we started to date. And I think from the moment we started to date, because we knew we went through our ups and downs. I don't think she um, envisioned to marry a pastor. Well, in her times, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> but I mean, today I look back and my wife has been incredible. I know she's, had a, she's got a full-time corner life and she's impacted many people's lives. I've learned a lot from my wife. Sure. So, I mean, we, we got married after that about, what, a year and a half later. And yeah, we've been married ever happy ever after with all of this beautiful we have had our great challenges but when we married we made a decision divorce is not in our vocabulary yeah it's a covenant it's uh it's something special and that you guys have been such an amazing example in that and uh and you have two beautiful boys um, how old are they by now i haven't seen them in so long <laughs> Yeah, well, Jesse is about your um, length. <laughs> Jesse, <laughs> he's grown immensely. He was Seriously? Born oh, my yeah, word. Jesse came into my room the other day. We went out, and I saw him having my boots on. I said, what are you doing with my boots? Yeah. My boots fit him. No so, way. That's yeah, amazing. He's, he's 13 years old, Yo. and uh, Luca is six years old. Okay. So you may wonder, people may wonder why so much is such a difference. Well, our kids came with work, works and faith, not just works. Yes. And uh, so we really had to trust God. Um, um, I've got brothers and sisters, four brothers and one sister, and they all have kids. But we had to trust God. We walked a four-year journey trusting God for, for Jesse. Mm. And uh, remember, God gave me a clear word. We will have children, and the first one will be a boy. 
And then we actually went on another seven-year journey, trusting God for Luca. Sure. So our two kids are precious. Very. Uh, we love them to bits. Yeah. That's amazing. Now, I, I know a little bit of what you guys went through, and it, it was not an easy road. It was very tough. And uh, But you stuck it out. You had faith, and God uh, came through in, in amazing ways. And just on that note, um, maybe there's someone listening that is going through a similar journey of trusting God but not not getting a child or the, the next child, um, what, do you, what would you say after going through that uh, as a word of encouragement? Sure. Well, I will first say to everybody else who has children or don't have children yet, to be sensitive what you say. Yeah. <laughs> you know, but what I would say to people who are going through that, don't ever get into a place where you don't celebrate other people's, other people falling pregnant and things like that. Sure. Don't, don't let this change your character and your, and your Christian walk. I mean, let's honor other people and celebrate with them, you know, um, mm. and our journey is our journey. Yeah. And I believe that we journey this with God. Um, we had to come to a place where we actually had to surrender, even the fact that we may never have children. And we said, God, you in charge, we're still going to serve you. Sure. See, the thing is, when it comes to tough things, even like Job, all of us, you know, we need to make a decision it's easy to say, oh, Jesus first. Mm. But when it comes to the real issues of life, that's when it's tested. Sure. And I really believe, you know, we, me and both me and Renee, and it was tough, but we came to a place, even if this never comes to a complete, um, you know, we don't get children, we will still love Jesus the same way and honor him the same way. Um, but thank God we do have children today. For those who don't yeah. have children, let's keep on trusting in faith with you. I believe God is a miracle God. He's done it many times. Mm. I believe it's normal for you to have children um, and so on. But don't let peace lose your, leave your heart. Keep your hearts in peace with God. Keep your soul at rest and um, do surrender to Jesus. I sure. know it's easier said than done, but we had to do it also. So we, I'm not speaking out of head knowledge. I'm speaking out of experience. Wow, that's so good. I, we... we um had a similar experience. Well, actually, I must say my wife had a, had a similar experience and actually was challenged by that very thing that you said now of celebrating other people, you know, having children, even when maybe you can't. Or in our case, we, we went through a miscarriage uh, in our first pregnancy. And shortly thereafter, my wife went to a baby shower. Um, but God did a miraculous thing in her heart where the Holy Spirit, who is the comforter, really just came and comforted her in such an amazing way. And she told me, I could honestly go to that baby shower and be grateful and thankful and, and celebrate with that other lady. Yes. And, and I thought just that in itself is a miracle. Um, and that's, the, that's how deeply God can heal if we surrender to Him. That's, that's so powerful. Absolutely. What is the first word that comes to mind when you think of your wife and when you think of Jesse and Luca? Well, my wife, I can say, absolutely beautiful and sincere. Um, I've, I, I literally married an angel next to, the, <laughs> next to the Holy Spirit. She's the loudest voice in my mind and in my heart. I've married a really sincere woman who's got no, I mean, there's, there's, there's nothing, you know, devious in our hearts. Mm. She sincerely loves God. She's Friends around her will testify the way she treats people. She's always even encouraging me to keep on treating people with respect and with love. And I think about Jess. Uh, Jess is a dedicated, committed guy. I mean, he's a, he's, he's a, 
Absolutely, Jim. He's a, he's a gentle leader. I mean, um, I can brag a little bit about him. He's just, he's been elected as the head boy of his school this year. Yay. Uh, wow. That's yeah. awesome. Oh, great. Yeah, so, uh, Jesse's really a, a great leader. But you know what? It's not, a, not out of dominance. He, he's just a natural uh, guy that people follow because he's, he's got a sincere heart. Uh, Luca is our, he's our vice, the, you know, uh, it, it makes me think like, uh, I, I know about a, uh, uh, Jack Russell. He's an energetic person. Every morning, every single morning, like yeah. every morning, he would wake up with a big smile on his, on his face and ready to go for life. Beautiful. He's a very people person. Sure. He wants to be around people. Lockdown has not been good. He wants to have friends around him and play with friends all the time. Oh, shame. So I can imagine. We, we were like <laughs> playing friendships all the time. <laughs> it was, so when lockdown started to ease up, we were relieved to send him, go and sleep over here. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, go play. <laughs> I can imagine. Yeah. Uh, with the, the big gap between him and Jesse, how, how do they get along? Well, you know what? Everything in life that you and I go through, I believe there's a God that's in control. I believe everything we face, um, ever whenever we kind of get kind of unhappy with situations, we need to rethink about: Do we believe God is sovereign? Yeah. Is so God determines these things? We don't. Yeah. And 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 so yes. So the first thing is we make peace that this is God's plan for our lives and for them. Yeah. So it's going to train them and teach them things that they will use in their future. The the difference between them is sometimes very challenging because. Mm. Lucas, much more immature than Jesse sometimes, and Jesse's not yet an adult, so we can't yeah. expect to act like a 21-year-old while he's 13 years old. Exactly. But on the other side, lockdown has been great. You know, I mean, they've really got to know each other better. They love each other. Like last night, Luca and Jesse was lying in the same bed. And then Lucas said he's going to go and sleep in his own bed. Jesse, no, I want you to sleep with me. Oh. So, I mean, so they're very close. That's very I mean, special. Jesse's Lucas Yero. I can tell you this now. Wow. He, He's like a little, you know, almost like a fox terrier sitting in front of his door to, <laughs> to wait till he finishes his schoolwork so he can get out. Oh, <laughs> wow. Yeah, listen. And they are also having challenges. Sure. Uh, sibling, sibling rivalry is, is one of the biggest uh, challenges to navigate as a parent. And uh, we've had our moments. Uh, but ours are quite close together and that has you know, other challenges. But I mean, the, the, the beautiful things that you are saying about your boys is also a testament to you and your wife as parents and the example that you're setting. Because the more I'm growing as a parent, the more I realize, you know what, they don't do what you say, they do what you do. <laughs> so we need to, we need to really check ourselves and the example we set because they are, you know, monkey see, monkey do. That's what they. That's what's happening. Um, so, well done to you guys. That's amazing. Um, I would love to know, and I did prepare you for this because some people I've asked some pastors this question, and people would say, "How can you ask a man of God that?" <laughs> but you know, I I think it, we're all human, and we all have moments. Uh, so I would love to know if you would be willing to share an embarrassing moment with us. Preferably one that happened on stage, because they, they are funnier. Oh, I have too many. <laughs> uh, and, and unfortunately for you, I have inside information. So <laughs> That's why you're asking it. This is unfair. Uh, listen, let, let, me, let me start off first of all. I appreciate you talking about man of God. So, but you know me, I'm, I'm not really into that stuff. I know. You know? I know. I'm just, uh, I believe we all are disciples of Jesus. Amen. That we're going to stand responsible before God one day 
And, uh, you know, though we want to all be men of God, the women of God, I believe that humility is the essence that keeps that sustains us. Yes. And even raising children, the Holy Spirit so is good. at the core of it. It's not just our decisions as parents, because otherwise we, we give ourselves the almost the, the wrongful foundation to become proudful. But, you know, when I look at... Um, um, what was your question again? <laughs> I dropped myself. <laughs> That's fine. No, I was just asking about uh, if you can share an embarrassing moment, moment with us. So. Okay, I'll, I'll share with you one, but this is, I mean, because it's out there. <laughs> so, I, I was preaching in Stellenbosch, <laughs> and I was, I was preaching about King Hosea, and uh, King Hosea, you know, um, God actually judged him because ultimately he went into the temple and he, you know, um, Basically, ate of the bread, and God mm. judged him for that. But, mm. you know, the Bible talks about King Hosea. You know, um, you, you know, he, he, he um, was this is long time ago. I must really think that. <laughs> so basically, what I was preaching on, I was trying to help people to understand that when we really want to walk with Jesus, especially in discipleship theology, you have you, you start to allow people up close and personal. And I, because I'm so Afrikaans, now obviously it's years later. You know, in the beginning, I made many mistakes because I spoke <laughs> deliciously. Deliciously. And, uh, and, uh, Only use I, it for self-defense. <laughs> and I was trying to say, I said, and he got leprosy on his force, and I stopped with the S. Now, force king is different from <laughs> forehead. <laughs> but because I said force over the mic. Yeah. These students started to laugh so much. I was there. That, I remember that. <laughs> that's why you're asking it. I know that. <laughs> so, so these guys started laugh. After a while, we closed the service. Literally closed the service. Oh, my word. It's amazing. But Send them it, home. <laughs> uh, anyway, I, I remember it slightly differently. I remember it was, I thought it was Samuel anointing David. On his, yeah, but anyway, yeah, 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 but either way, yeah. either way, he got, it's... He got leprosy on his fall. Yeah, the f- <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I love those moments, man. It keeps us all <laughs> humble. I, I've, I've had some of those myself. Um, I, I, oh, I wanted to ask you, at this point of your life, having gone through what you've gone through, um, you know, having a family, planting churches, uh, growing in discipleship making... Um, looking forward to what is the rest of your life, what would you say is your biggest life goal or something you, you, you still, when you wake up in the morning, this is what gets you excited? What is that, that dream that, that keeps you going? Well, Heinz, you know what? If you asked me this 10 years ago, it might have been different from my answer today. <laughs> my dream is to wake up daily and be devoted to Jesus. I Beautiful. want to know him and love him on a daily basis. Mm. I want to make sure that my life counts and that lost people around me feels the impact of my love for Jesus. And I want to keep on making disciples till I put my head down one day. So because good. we can take nothing with us to heaven except people. Paul says, when I go to heaven, you are my crown. And I think people in our lives is actually ultimately the only, um, only thing we can take with us to heaven. So, you know, if you talk about big vision, yes, we want to plant churches. We want to make disciples and plant churches um, all over the world, raise leaders. You know, I'm part of a movement, Every Nation, and I love what we're doing. I'm absolutely thrilled by the theology, the philosophy, the relationships, and the fact that God's called us to not just have church, not just to gather. Lockdown has actually tested the church in its core, at its core, because you can't gather. Yeah. Um, we've, had, we've got more small groups 
in lockdown that we, than, than what we had before lockdown because we've built for 12 years, not on a gathering on Sundays, but on a church that meets during the week and normal people doing extraordinary things. So I believe in this. Sure. I've seen the effect on your life. I've seen the effect on many people's lives. I have not found anything else in the church world available. Not at Kumbuks, no strategy, more effective than making disciples, raising leaders, and planting churches. Making disciples is at the core what God has called us to do. It's not a suggestion, it's a commandment. And I believe the more the church of God gets back to it, the more we will start to enjoy church again. Again, it's not a show. It's a place where we lay foundations. So that's at the core and it's never going to change. So good and so powerful. I The, the more I chat to, to leaders that have that as a value, um, and, and you see the fruits of that in their churches and their lives, the, the more it just you know, shows you that that is, that is the way God wants us to build. And uh, I think we're definitely challenged as the church in, this, in the world with this whole lockdown thing, you know, where, because now that we can't gather, um, wh- what do we do? And what we, I think we're all shaken to our foundations. What, what, what were our foundations? What have we built on? And, and yeah. it, it's, been, it's been, I think it's been very tough and I think it's been very good depending on what those foundations have been. And uh, yeah, I just want to, from my side, I just want to really honor you, Philip, for, for loving me enough to, uh, back in the day, phone up basically a stranger and and say hey i feel god has has led me to speak to you and then explaining the whole thing to me and i remember in the beginning i wasn't keen to be discipled (laughs) i just gave you the edited version of my life until one day i realized you know what this if i don't do this this is god giving me an option of life and death and i have to choose life and uh, i just want to honor you for for loving me enough to tell me the truth in love of God's word, because that saved my life spiritually, and and thank you for doing that for thousands of others and keeping on doing that. I just want to thank you and honor you for that, uh, because every life that is touched through what what I do, what my wife do, um, it it leads back to, to to the foundations you gave and the the investment you did. So thank you for that so much. I really appreciate you and love you so much for that. Heinz, what a pleasure, my friend. And uh, it's been an honor also to have friendships years later. See, this is the beauty of discipleship. It changes the man of God syndrome into normal relationships. Yeah. You know, you, you walk with people, but you don't call them to follow you. You call them to come alongside you. You know, they become your friends. They become mature men and women that God's called that also have a calling on their lives. And uh, I can tell you that, that it's been an honor to journey with you and to see the difference. But you know what? When it, why I believe in discipleship is exactly what you said. We find in the church world that people listen to sermons, but hardly any of that is really applied. Mm. People go to all kinds of care groups and they cared for, but it never, it's, it, they never care for the lost. Sure. You know, um, we become so internally focused that we actually lose perspective of why we ex- exist. And what the subship does is it's not a Bible study making Christians better Christians. There's yeah. no such thing. Yeah. A discipleship is popping your eyes outwards that you would start to see what life is about that you'd start to live for something way bigger than yourself. This is not about you. It's not about me. It includes sure. us, but it's not about us. Yeah. And when people start to die to themselves, most of the issues in the church start to die down. Yeah. Wow. That's so good. And that's when Christ can actually be exalted, and now he can live for a greater purpose than ourselves. So good. That And, and I mean, it's great to speak about where where you're at, where we're at, and, and what's going on in the future. But 
I would like to ask you to take a step back for a moment um, and, and share with us your first encounter with Jesus, uh, your first encounter where, where you realized how much He loves you and, and, and where you made the decision to follow Him. I know that you grew up in an amazing environment of faith. Um, if you want to share maybe one of your amazing stories of your grandfather, I, I would love that. Um, but please tell us how, how you came to Christ and, uh, and how the journey took off from there. Oh, Heinz, I'm so privileged. You know, I grew up in an incredible home. My mom and dad are still alive. They're both over 80. And it's amazing when you visit them. They still pray in the morning. They still sure. pray at night. Wow. They, embarrass, they embarrass me if you see how faithful they are. Wow. I tell you. They are an ex amazing example. My grandfather was one of my heroes. Yeah. So I grew up in an environment where my grandfather, I mean, he reminds me a lot of Uncle Angus. Mm. He, never took, he never took stage, but I mean, I can tell you, I can keep you busy for five hours. Stories of my dad, my grandfather. I mean, I remember driving with my grandfather. I'll tell you one or two stories. Please. As a five-year-old, five-year-old, yeah. five my grandfather would start hailing. And then he would stop his truck and he would say, you know what, this is what we do when it hails. And he prayed and said, God, you said I must give the money away. I did not ensure you will protect my crop. So I now, because of that, I'm asking you to protect my crop and stop the hail. Now, as a five-year-old, I'm sitting in his truck, and I see the hail literally pull a line on the fence, and that's it. Not one of his crop hit. Oh, Nothing. I love that story. It's so good. Yeah. So you, as a five-year-old, yes. you look at your grandfather and say, I want what he's got. Yeah. And then, I mean, I remember one day we were driving, and there was a, a sheep that was kind of sick, you know. So my grandfather stopped, put his hand on the thing, and prayed for it. And then the thing jumped up and then it goes, healed. <laughs> I, mean, I love it. I mean, where's the limitations to yeah. this amazing God we serve? I mean, I have sure. a little water on my finger here. And uh, I was um, showing my grandfather and he stopped his truck and said, this is what we do when people are sick. We put our hands on him and we pray. And he prayed. When he took his finger away, it was gone. It's still gone. I love it. I mean, so now you grow up in that environment, which is not a religious environment. Yeah. You see, religion is everything about God, except it's God's not in it. Sure. You know, it's, 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 it's human traditions based on the Bible, trying to sustain yourself, and then you burn out. Mm. And that's where people leave Christianity. They don't leave Christianity ever. Yeah. They leave religion, yeah. Christian, Christian culture. Now, I got saved at the age of six, where I had the privilege of giving my life to Jesus and, and people say you don't get saved through fear. Well, I did. <laughs> <laughs> I saw that movie left behind, and I realized I'm going to be left behind. If somebody's going to burn some six, six, six marks on my forehead. <laughs> so like, I gave my life to Jesus, but I did it about three times. And then my uncle, who was the pastor then, said to me, okay, you don't have to do it again. And he helped me with assurance of salvation. Okay. And since that day, I just knew that I had a relationship with God. And when I had such a burning passion for Jesus... I preached um, my first sermon at the age of 10. What? Um, and, yeah, 10? And, uh, That's 10, amazing. And uh, I always had just a, a genuine passion to, to love Jesus and to make him known, not to be in ministry so much. Yeah. I mean, obviously that's part of my calling, but I had a passion just to love Jesus and to make him known. And I know the biggest struggles in my life is when I lose my love for Jesus and not so much doing ministry stuff. Yeah. Ministry is an outflow of our love for Jesus. Sure. I love it. What would you say since you gave your life to Christ as, as that young boy, um, after that, and I, I'm sure there's been moments of deeper encounters. God 
showing you certain things or you learning more about his love, um, his heart for you, his heart for people. Um, can you maybe name one or two uh, significant moments in your journey with God that were like markers for you on on your ministry journey, on your life journey? Sure, Hans. Yeah, one or two is difficult because there's so many. <laughs> I mean, I had an incredible kids' church, and all of you, if you work with kids, don't underestimate the impact on their lives. Sure. And Christina laid solid foundations. The way she trained us, she made us memorize the Bible, and then she would give us Bibles as presents. I still have that Bible. Yeah. I mean, um, a, a remarkable moment for me was when I was baptized in water, um, and I was baptized at age of 10 in the Holy Spirit. Wow. And I was baptized in water at the age of 13. And those two were remarkable moments, which I absolutely believe are fundamental to any born-again believer. Sure. Um, that you are not Gurudup or Tlendup, you are believer's baptism. Yeah. That once you got born again, you get baptized, mm. um, as the Bible prescribes it. And then, uh, I mean, I remember later in years, um, at the age of, I think it was standard eight, which is now grade 10, um, I was playing rugby and I hurt my neck, and that made, put me out that I couldn't play anymore. And I remember I went through a whole year I couldn't play. And then I knew my kind of grade 11 year, the possibility, well, I wouldn't play. But for grade 12, I would play first team. And I was looking forward and started to exercise to get myself fit to play for the first team. Obviously, that's a dream for most people. <laughs> but, but the moment the season opened up, God said to me, no, I don't want you to play this year. Sure. I want you to times that your friends go to play. I want you to go and pray in your room. Now, how boring is that for a school kid who wants to play first-team rugby? Yeah, sure. I mean, how spiteful is God? <laughs> <laughs> and you know what? Then I was kind of with a kind of an attitude going to my room on a daily basis. And I sit there and said, okay, what do you want to do? But I met Jesus. I tell you, I started to enjoy my time with God so much and found a joy in that. And I realized that that God was taking idolatry out of my heart. Yeah. And I started to enjoy God so much, I didn't care going back. Mm. And God gave me a word through somebody else that I can go back, but now already teams were elected. And then by God's grace, within three weeks, I was in the first team. That was the very first year that our first team never, ever were drunk. Wow. There were one moment they wanted to drink. Because it's not an idol, I said to the guys, guys, if you drink again, don't let's pray. Let's not pray before matches then. Yeah. Rather just drink and do your life, but don't do praying and drinking together. Sure. And, and then the guys decided they're not going to drink anymore. That was the first year ever our team never drank. We, we were never drunk. drunk. Wow. But why could I stood up, stand up? Because there was no idol in my heart that I wanted to feed. So and, good. And, and that sacrificial moment has taught me lessons that I still obey today. That, you know, most of our Christian life comes after sacrifice. Yeah. If we're willing to lay down our lives, we get life. If we're willing to lay down our own stuff, we get what Christ wants. See, the lifestyle of a disciple is much different from a churchgoer. Yeah. The churchgoer goes to church and they want to see what, benef- what do they benefit from this. Mm. But, but a, a disciple of Jesus, you know, wants to lay their lives down so that others can benefit. Many people look at how do they benefit from others laying down. But we lay down our lives so that others can benefit. Yeah. Or they, or they try to piggyback on your revelation uh, in your quiet time with God. And you keep telling them, you need to have your own quiet time with God. But they just come back to hear your revelation. <laughs> and it's like secondhand yeah. revelation. But there's so much more that, that God has for each and every one of us. And I, re- I remember when you were discipling me, I got so annoyed. Because sometimes I would say, Philip, help me. And you would say, have you spoken to Jesus? 
And I say, no, I'm, I'm speaking to you. And he's like, no, first speak to Jesus, and then you come speak to me. <laughs> and I was like, what are you doing? And I realized, I realized you, you made sure that you didn't become an idol or a crutch in my life um, by yeah. always pointing me to Jesus, but keeping a healthy relationship as a discipler in my life. And uh, it took me a while to realize that, but I, I'm grateful for that today. Uh, so that, that's amazing. And, I, and I, what, I, what I'm also hearing in your story about rugby, I mean, in this nation, and especially under most Afrikaans people, it's a massive idol. It's, it's, a, it's, it's a, one of the biggest things we worship in this nation, let's be honest. And uh, I also find it interesting that that's been taken away this year in a big way. Um, so what has people been doing? You know, what have they been doing on Saturdays and, <laughs> and Sundays? Um, but I think that's a very significant thing that God came and, and showed you needs to like be laid down. And, and oh, the powerful things that followed after that, I love it. That's, so, that's such a great principle. Um, and I, you know what? I think we should yes. speak about idols. Sorry, I'm interrupting you. But I think it's important we clarify what is an idol. Yeah. You see, because sometimes we think if I enjoy something, it's, it's wrong. No, listen, if you enjoy nothing, you're dead. <laughs> I mean, we are, we are, by God's grace, the people who should enjoy life the most. You know, yeah, Jesus, exactly. God didn't say you can do nothing. He said to Adam, you can only, you can do everything. Just don't sin. Yeah. There's only one thing don't do. Don't sin. Yeah. God's called us to enjoy life. So what is an idol? An idol is something that defines you, that you, that you follow its lead. And it directs your life. It gives you definition. Mm. It gives you security, and it gives you, um, you know, um, um, security and significance. Yeah. So you find your significance and your security from this thing, and when that is taken from you, you respond emotionally either with depression or you know hopelessness or anger or all kinds of different ways. You respond because something that added value to you is taken away. Mm. So when Christ takes that place. Anything can be taken away from you, but you and I can stay in peace and we can still enjoy life. Why? Because we found something greater that, that gives us definition and that gives us security and significance. It's God. So good. I think one of the big things on that point that, that I saw when I was walking with you and other leaders in, in every nation um, was that, you know, and it's such a weird thing. I would even joke about it. When, when I did get the opportunity to share my testimony, I would tell people my favorite verse in the Bible is 1 John 5 verse 21, which says, Dear children, keep away from idols. <laughs> so I would, I, I mean, initially when I, when I entered idols, I had a lot of people criticize me. You know, how can you be a Christian and take part in something called, literally called idols? And, uh, but I, I know God had a plan with it. Uh, I didn't know exactly what it was, but, um, but I remember I, I realized that, you know, being, being an idol can become an idol uh, because, like you said just now, you connect your identity to that status, to that attention, uh, to that brand. And with the music industry being what it is, you know, you, you're the flavor of the week or the flavor of the month and then you're not – and if, if you get to the knot, then you go, ah, who am I? And uh, I've, I had to deal with that a few times. And I think all of us have those things in our lives which can steal our identity because we actually give our identity to it um, and except, uh, um, instead of giving it to Christ. Sure. Yeah, that's absolutely. And you know what? If, if you look at, see, there's nothing wrong with sport. There's nothing wrong with money. Yeah. 
money takes on the spirit of the beholder. Mm. You know, sport, God can use it to glorify him. And yes, see, I could issue and I mean, uh, it's, uh, and what a testimony yeah. he is to our nation because of his walk with Jesus, not just because he played rugby. So I don't think sport at all or business or anything is a problem. The problem is the, the undealt self-reliance. Um, it's the worship of self yeah. that, that is actually impacting your heart in the depth that you are actually not satisfied with Christ. You keep on filling that gap with something else. And you keep on looking for it. And even as a born-again believer, you could even use the supernatural. You can even use, you know, miracles and stuff that you want to use God, God to use you mm. because of a lack of identity, not so much where you want God to use you. Mm. Because you want to fill the gap that is actually should be filled by Jesus alone in relationship with him. And him using us is a result. Yeah. It's, not, it's not a gap filler. Yeah, sure. Yeah, and I, th- I, I remember when the lockdown started, uh, there was, I read somewhere, some prophet, she, she said that, we one one of the things we will be faced with now is whether we have um, made ministry a the god of our lives or whether God is truly the god of our lives, um, and and I think that's been really tested in a big way, yeah. is because you can even worship worship you can worship songs you can worship you know the way you worship it's <laughs> it's crazy because uh, if things don't go a certain way on a sunday and you get upset that, that's a red flag i think uh anyway oh yeah we all have red flags in our hearts yeah <laughs> <laughs> oh man i tell you we are just human beings yeah. we need jesus we uh, I, we just had a question here, and uh, it's actually tying into my next question I have for you. Uh, is a lady that that says uh, she needs to learn more about being a disciple because she grew up in religion. Um, and and uh, my next question to you was: I want to give you a few words or terms, and then give your definition of it. Um, so, first word: is discipleship. What what is it? Oh, it's my passion. That's what it is. <laughs> I believe in discipleship with all my heart. I've seen more people's lives changed when I started discipling than any other thing I've done in my life. Mm. I'll do nothing else. Um, I, I believe. So when I think about discipleship, a disciple, the concept of disciple, Marxism has disciples. Mm. Uh, Hitler had disciples. Mm. A disciple is a student and a wholehearted, willing follower of a teacher. Sure, that's a great so, definition. So a discipler, if I say I'm a disciple of Jesus, it's not about do I go to church and do I say Jesus, Jesus. A disciple is a willing, self-convicted follower of the person Jesus Christ that have submitted yourself to not just him being your savior. See, being your savior is what he does for you. Mm. Many people serve Jesus as savior and the rest of their lives, he's their puppet and he needs to do stuff for them. Yeah, He's like a hoostropy. When you feel like it, you use it, and we don't need it, you put it back in the cupboard. <laughs> he is the Lord. Mm. Acts 2 verse 38 says, not only is this Christ whom you crucified your Savior, he's also the Lord. The Lord means you give up your rights. You let, lay down your life, and you let him sit on the throne of your heart. He is in charge. Yes. He is the boss. Amen. And when you submit yourself to the Lordship of Jesus Christ, that's the essence of becoming a disciple of Jesus, where he then defines you. He redirects your life. He transforms you, and he becomes the absolute passion and the purpose why you're alive. Mm. 
everything else is defined by that. And that has nothing, nothing to do with working full-time for a church. Yeah. That has got everything to do with being full-time saved or not. Sure. It's like you got my notes because my next word for you was lordship. <laughs> I'll, let the, I'll let the send me your, your no notes. <laughs> <laughs> so can you, uh, you've already kind of defined it, but how, why is lordship so important? And why do you think is there's a lot of people going to church on Sundays that still don't know how important this is? It's because we major on love, but we don't major on holiness. Sure. Wow. The angels don't bow down and say, love, 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 love. Mm. The angels bow down and say, holy, holy, holy. You sure. can't even explain holiness of love without holiness. Mm. You can't explain because you need to understand the character of God is holy. Yeah. God's calling me and you to be like him. He's, he's calling us to be transformed into his image. You see, what happens in the church world, we call people with a half message into the kingdom, and then we expect them to live full lives. Mm. If your son tells you a half truth, it's a lie. We tell people Jesus loves you, you know, that's true, but it's a half truth. Yeah. It's not that he just loves you. He wants you to love him back. He wants you to lay down your life and, and if, uh, walk into the full extent of what he wants you to be. So when you talk about love or you talk about a, a lordship, lordship is, I believe, one of the most under-teached, under-taught, mm. underestimated powers that is sometimes absent in the church world. Yeah. We don't have commitment problems. We've got lordship problems. Yeah. We don't have relational problems, sexual problems. We've got lordship problems. We don't have a lack of heart for lost people problems. We've got lordship problems. Sure. We don't lordship. When Jesus is the Lord, he dethrones us from our own thrones and he gets on the throne and we sit at his feet. There's a huge difference when we ask Jesus to serve us and when we start to serve Jesus. <laughs> Amen. So sure. lordship is basically, the, you know, many people see lordship as legalism. Okay. So let me clarify that. If lordship is legalism and you say obedience is legalism, then Christ was in bondage because he was obedient to the point of death. Wow. Sure. See, the reason why people fight the issue of obedience is because deep in our soul, we want to live rebellious. Yeah. And we don't want to be confronted with the issues of a sinful nature that needs to be dealt with. Sure. You see, God does not expect of us to perform things that are impossible. He gives us grace. What is grace? Grace is not a license to continue the way I am. Grace is not a license to sin more. Mm. Grace is God empowering me with godly ability to get right what is humanly impossible. Mm. So good. So we have no excuse not to live holy. And the Lordship of Jesus Christ is not a legalistic point. Yeah. It's not a legalistic concept. The Lordship of Jesus Christ is a love in action. If you love me, you will obey me. How will I obey you? Well, God empowers you to obey you. How? By grace. Yeah. He gives grace to the humble. And he resists the proud. Yes, Lord to the proud. Wow. That's so true. And, I, and I, I've, I've learned in my own life that that, that, that is a life changer to, to, to not just say, you know, I'm saved. And it's almost like many of us have this thing like, well, at least I have a ticket to go to heaven. And that's, that's it. Like we think that's the whole ball game. That's the whole point. And it's not. It's, it's just the beginning because... We are, we are supposed to be change agents, change agents for God in, on this planet and get more people to meet Him 
and experience him and and change the the world around us uh, and we can only do that if we say yes to god and no to ourselves and and i think in the world we live in now that n- never has it ever been challenged in to a bigger extent the, to the idea to lay down your life for god uh and and i think it's it's permeated unfortunately very much um the 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 the, the walls of the church and and because you hear people speak and they they, they make up stuff that sounds like, you know, a good way to live. But then you say, where did you read that in the Bible? <laughs> yeah. And then you're like, well, you know, it just God is love and he loves me. And exactly what you're saying. And we've lost a, a grip on holiness and lordship. It's sure. That's a good word, bro. See, Ainz, if you think about, um, you know, the essence, what, we, what's the main problem here? Well, the main problem is very simple. I'm not saying it's easy. I'm saying it's simple. Mm. If you spell sin, S-I-N, I am in the middle of all sin. Yeah. All sin is pre-planned. All sin is desired. All sin is wanted. Why? Because I'm alive. We will never overcome sin unless I die. Yeah. We don't fight sin. We die. Dead people don't sin. Sure. You see, dead people are alive to Christ and dead to sin. Mm. See, we try to do this moralistic where we try to apply laws to change ourselves and almost like the Mormons isolate yourself and then ultimately all the isolated come together because we made together. <laughs> I mean, but, but that's not the point here. The point is when you and I put Jesus on the throne and we fall in love with him, it's not a, a, a guilt trip. It's actually a change of heart. I don't want to do that anymore because the moment Jesus touched my heart, I desire to be like him and then he even with asking me to stop, he empowers me to stop. He gets all the glory because none of us can overcome sin without Jesus. Yeah. That's what happened when Jesus was raised from the dead. A power was released that takes me and you and give us an ability that's humanly impossible. That's why Jesus alone can be honored. Mm. I love it. The next term I want you to talk about, spiritual family. Oh, that's what you are, buddy. <laughs> spiritual family. You know what? Uh, how we, I mean, so many weird ideas out there today yeah. of people, you know, I'll tell you a short story. I was reaching out to a lady who was a waitress in a, in a restaurant one day, and uh, I was sincerely just caring and asking her, which I usually do, and say, what's your name? And, you know, what do you believe? And say, no, I'm a Christian. I said, oh, that's great. And I sincerely asked her, which church you go to? And she said to me, I don't have to go to a church to be a Christian. So it's, 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 it's a valid statement. Yeah. But here's the thing. We justify wrongful behavior with unbiblical ideas. Sure. And so I responded gently to her. I said, listen, you're right. I'm sorry. I think you got hurt in the church, and that was not supposed to happen. Yeah. But the reality is people will get hurt in the church because there's people like you in it. Um, because we hurt people. Yeah. And the body is not a perfect place. God always fulfills his perfect plan through imperfect man. Mm. It requires humility. And so I said to this lady, I said, you know what? You don't have to be a Christian to go to a church. But if you're a biblical Christian, you will be part of a church. Yeah. It doesn't justify your lifestyle. So spiritual family is not an optional thing. Spiritual family is by default part of salvation. Those who got saved were added. They didn't join. This is not Facebook. You don't join and rejoin and unjoin and don't like it. Yeah. You don't hop around this grasshopper mentality where you hop from one church to the next. You sure. know we, why we do this? Because I don't want to die 
And if people confront me and I have opportunity to change, I don't want to change. I don't want to be like Jesus. Let me drop to the next place where they won't challenge me. I feel comfortable and I can actually live, serve Jesus on my terms, which means there's no lordship. Yeah. And exactly. I believe now, I do believe there's legitimate reasons why people sometimes move church. Mm. But I believe if you're born again, you should belong to a family. Yeah. Let me tell you, orphans have a massive disadvantage. They have no protection, no purpose, and no provision mm. because they have no parents. Orphans should get a family. Yeah. A orphan spirit always reproduces orphan spirits, and orphan spirits always walks in illegitimate authority. Mm. And they cause illegitimate theology that cause illegitimate you know, fruits and impact people's lives negatively. None of us are perfect. If you join our church, please don't if you want the perfect church because I'm leading it. <laughs> okay, you can find my wife and my two sons. They won't lie. I'm not perfect. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but we all are sincerely seeking Jesus, yeah. and we want to honor him in the midst of our weaknesses. There is no perfect church. There is just humility required for you to be part of it. Yeah. I, I would even go as far as to say is if you are really a born-again Christian, you are part of the church. But whether you engage with other members of the church, that that shouldn't be a question. You have to. You have to be added. And then that church body that, that God has given us to be in has different expressions in different locations. And I think it's about finding... You know, asking God, and this is the thing, I, I, I find it laughable. There's some, some of the biggest decisions we make is getting married, having children, joining a church, you know, and, and I find it laughable when people don't ask God <laughs> about those questions. Um, yeah. You know, they, they talk about choosing a church like choosing food on a menu, and and make and the only reason to have children or not have children sometimes for people have to do with whether they can afford it or not. They're not, you know, saying God, what do you want? And it's back to lordship, you know. And for me, it's the same with choosing your church. God, where should I go? He may send you to a place. He will probably send you to a place where it will be very uncomfortable for you, because we all need that. We all need to be challenged. And and I remember when when I joined um, Every Nation Joburg when we moved up. Um, I, I started going to the UJ campus and the sound and the band was terrible. <laughs> but yeah. I, didn't, I didn't want to be there in the flesh. But, and, and I prayed about it. I was like, God, do you really want me to be here? And, and then I felt God say, well, if you don't like it, you know, go and help them. And I thought, mm -hmm. okay. So, so my wife and I started working with them, helping them, and, and we were part of the solution rather than part of the problem and part of complaining, and we served. And that is what being part of the body is, is all about. And I love, I love how every nation do things and many other churches who have this healthy view of discipleship. So that's, that's great. And you know what? When you think about what you just mentioned, there's a huge difference when you approach church like a son. Man, Jesse and Luca, this is it. Yeah. Jesse is Luca's brother and Luca is Jesse's brother. Yeah. That's it. Renee is their mother and I'm their father. There's no living. <laughs> it's not going to change. You deal, with, you deal with your stuff. Yeah. You see, we approach church like hirelings. What do I sure. do for us? We approach church like orphans. You cannot submit to authority. You always want to define everything, but you want, don't want to be defined by anybody. I mean, you, you, or, or you approach church like a slave. You're dead. You have no life in you. Yeah. But Jesus was a son of God. He was wholeheartedly submitted to God, full of life, full of power, but wholeheartedly submitted. Mm. You see, and when we approach church that way, now you think about church, you can think like normal family. There's a place where there's brothers and sisters, 
and there's authority. Church is not, I am the church. Only two places in the Bible, Bible where it says, I'm the church. It's when it, you're the temple, you're to be accountable. Let's talk about holiness. Yeah. The rest of it, church is, you know, God says, I know the plans I have for you. Go and read the scripture in context. There's no plan for individual. Sure. That scripture is written to the nation of Israel, not to individual. So good. See, we are part of a body. There's no plan for a kidney. There's no plan for an eye. There's plan for a body. <laughs> yeah. And because there's a body, the eye has a function. Wow. You see, we need to find our place in a body and be part of a body to make it function. If the body is dysfunctional, it's because you are dysfunctional. I'm dysfunctional. Mm. Nobody else is to blame. The blamer is to blame. I mean, and we need to start to say, how do I add value to the body and help it to become more functional? I say to our leaders many times when we kind of have tough moments, I say, guys, you know what? It's up to us to, to sort this out. Who else must, you want an alien to come in and sort this out? <laughs> we are called to sort this out. Yeah. The Bible says he takes aliens and foreigners and he puts them in a family. Mm. Which means a foreigner is somebody who's foreign to the ideas and the calling of God. So here's my conclusion. A spiritual family is not just a group of people meeting in a house. Yeah. I have yet to find reactionary house church who cares about church planting in Iraq and Iran. There's no apostolic mandate for reactionary people. You see, a, a, a biblical church is about the Great Commission, and it has a biblical authority. I'm not talking about hierarchy. I'm not talking about manipulation and control. That's a demonic. Yeah. I'm talking about a healthy structure where there's respect and order, and God's gifts are leading us onto the mission field, and it's keeping us healthy and in relationship. But it's not just a care group. Yeah. It's not just there is biblical calling and giftings that's leading the way forward so that Jesus' name can be honored across the face of the earth and we're not just gathering for the sake who are, for those who are there. We're gathering for the sake. This is the only club that exists for its non-members. <laughs> that's great. I like that. You have so many quotes. I want to go right down. That's very cool. Uh, again, I think you had my notes because my next question was uh, to define authority. Um, I th there's a lot of people that throw around the term spiritual authority. Um, how would you define it? How do you understand it? Oh, what a tricky question. <laughs> oh, Heinz, you know what? Um, there are so many authority trips that people go into. Personally, I'm not a big title believer. Um, I'm not against it when people do use titles. I think it's different cultures, different places. Yeah. I don't think our titles should define us. I think we all, um, my friend Retief um, Berger, many of you know him, I remember our journey that we journeyed on. Um, you know, there's one day I sat with him. I said, Ratif, you know what? The biggest you and I will ever be in the kingdom of God is a disciple. And the smallest is a son. And the rest we need to be careful because it can lead us, lead us into deception. Sure. You know, because I That's think good. we get sometimes authority trips. So I th first thing is, I think those who have authority, the Bible says we should lead with gentleness and we should lead as servant leaders, mm. which means we lay down our lives for the sheep. See, the hireling is not willing to lay down his life. He's, willing, he, he's looking for what he gets from the group. He's looking what he gets from the environment or from the situation. But once his life is in danger, he runs away. Mm. A, a Jesus said, I'm not like that in John 10. He says, I came to lay down my life for the sheep. I believe servant leadership is authority. I don't think authority is your position and you have the ability to command everybody and they all tow the right way and they all are honoring you and say yes, 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 and you say no, no to everybody. Yeah. I, I think it's a relational, uh, it's, it's like with my two boys. 
Am I on an authority trip with my two kids? I will lose them. I need to love them and lead them in a way that they, that they naturally start to respect me and honor me. So authority, yes. So there's two ways. God gives us spiritual authority as born-again believers, yeah. which as we walk with God, and that's where holiness comes in. Yeah. See, not love, holiness. Because when you and I walk in, the, in, in, a, in a relation with Jesus, we have the authority to command and to speak and to pray for sick and they get healed and yeah. call demons out of people and to help people be set free. That's spiritual authority. Yeah. But when it comes to leadership, we need to be very careful that I believe God's given us leadership, but that's not to overrule people, but it's actually to love and serve people unto Jesus. Mm. It's to help people to walk into their calling, but also not everybody walking in their own calling. It's to create an environment that is so clear that everybody's calling start to fit into one bigger calling so that you, we can unite as a body to advance God's kingdom together and it's not every man on his own horse. Sure. That's awesome. So spiritual authority brings clarity, direction. It brings unity in a loving, trustful environment that ultimately is not about the leader. See, I say to people, there's a huge difference between leaders and fathers. Mm. Many leaders have a vision, they use people. Sure. Fathers have people, they use vision. Yeah. See, many leaders use people to build their vision. But fathers have family. They use vision to build their people. Mm. And if we raise people, what is the church? The church is people. It's not buildings, bucks, and I mean, it's nothing else. Yeah. It's people on a mission to honor their God and while we're on a mission, we love each other. We care about each other. So good. I love it. I, uh, oh, we're already on the hour. I don't know if you, do you have a few more minutes? I can go. Okay. Um, I think that we are at a very, very important moment in the history of the church, especially in this nation. Um, and all of the things that, that we've spoken about today, I think are vital for the church going forward and being effective. Can you maybe, uh, in summary, say what youth, what, what, what would your message on your heart be to the church of South Africa, the Christians in South Africa that, that really love Jesus, that really want to see a difference, but they feel stuck or they feel frustrated or maybe they've got leadership issues or the church has been suffering because of the whole lockdown thing. Um, what, what is on your heart for the, the church of South Africa to, to hear and to do right now? Hans, let me start with a statement. You would not enjoy it if I start to speak ill about your wife. Yeah. Because it's your bride. Mm. So first of all, my message to everybody out there, be careful what you say about God's bride. Sure. Let's treat her with respect. She may be different in your opinion from, I mean, there's many churches that are around me that are incredible, loving people. They love Jesus. They got born again. I did not save them. I'm not the Savior. Mm. I'm just saved by Jesus Christ. And I think we need to be very careful how we criticize the church. Because as you go, so you will go. I mean, and I believe that we need to be very careful how we speak about the bride of Christ. If I read my Bible correctly, the Bible says God will purify his bride. We don't have to. Mm. We are part of that purification. And the best way we can participate is purify your own heart. Sure. Purify your own life. Yeah. I believe we need to be very careful to criticize. Now, do we differ? Yes. Do we differ in opinions? Yes. I believe we differ even in expression. What can we not differ on? I believe there are basic 
biblical requirements that causes the health of any church, not every nation. I'm not an advocate for every nation. I don't mind. I, I'm absolutely proud of being part of a family. I mean, people ask me, are you discipling people into every nation? Absolutely. I mean, I'm too weak to disciple them into myself. So <laughs> I disciple them into a family, and I have no excuse for doing that. Yeah. Because I believe in that. Mm. But this is not about a brand. I believe we need to, as Christians, born-again believers, get back to biblical principles because it's not about a brand. It's about biblical principles. Yeah. If you don't disciple people into biblical principles, how will we ever have sustainable, effective church that can impact a world? Sure. I don't think it takes much of us to see that our church is in desperate, a desperate season, a desperate moment. Yeah. I mean, if you look at the conviction by which people live, if you look at the average conviction of the normal Christians, I mean, I'm at a school. All around me, there are people who go to church. Mm. But I go with them on tour also, and I see how they live and how they drink and how they socialize and how they do things. And I ask myself, you cannot be born again by the Holy God and keep on living like that. Yeah, sure. So, but you know why people do? Because they get saved at crusades or CSV camps or something, and nobody disciples them. Yes. Nobody lays their foundations. Yeah. I mean, Enoch got saved, and Philip said to him, what are you reading? He says, I read the book of Isaiah. He says, do you understand? He says, how can I unless someone explains this to me? Mm. Yeah. See, Jesus did not say, here's a great suggestion. Go and make disciples. <laughs> he said, here's the great commandment. Yeah. Go and make disciples. Where did he send them to? Well, there was no doxodeo, leven a word, moraleta. He sent them into a lost and dying world. Yeah. So first of all, making disciples is getting to a lost world that does not know Jesus. Call them unto Jesus, lay foundations, and send them back to go and reach their lost friends. If you want to play church, you exclude the lost. Lost is at the core of a healthy church. Mm. And so if we think about where we at as, as the church of God, friends, there's nobody else who has the gospel than you and me. And we are living in a time like this to bring a good news, the news, the lockdown, you know, the, the thing that breaks people's eternal lockdown is the good news. Yes. And I believe so many churches have lived in lockdown way beyond lockdown because they close the four walls on sinners, on lost people. Yeah. Because we are participating in religious activities mm. and we're losing the life of it. What's the life of it? The life of it is Jesus came from heaven to us. He's been a God on a mission. He's been a God who's on a mission and he lives for mission. You see, the, the Bible says Jesus has been always on a mission. The question is, are you on a mission? Mm. See, many people are on a mission. They're looking for God. God is on a mission. He's looking for a church to join him. Yeah, sure. That's good. And so my, my calling to the church of God is that all of us, let's live in humility. Let's respect one another. But let's get back down to the basics. Let's reach lost people. Let's lay solid foundations, make disciples. From those disciples, let's raise leaders from within. Let's not just hire people from without. Mm. Raise your own sons because they will have much greater longevity. And from the leaders we raise, let's keep on advancing God's kingdom by reaching every nation. If we give people a world vision, they most probably will give much more than just living locally. Beautiful. Sure, that's powerful. Uh, we have a young lady here that says she's really had a, a powerful experience through this conversation. She wants to know more. She wants to connect. I'm sure there are others that feel the same way. Um, my Philip, you can also say what you think, but I think if you are in the Tuane area, 
you can definitely leave a message with uh, Renee, who's online, uh, or, or with uh, with the Twine Church. I put their link in the message or in this post. Twine, every nation Twine's connection is there. Um, so please go and, and connect with them if you're in that area and looking for a church. Um, but uh, I think the important thing is to to get to. Uh, a life-giving, disciple-making church near you if you're not near this one specifically uh, and, and to get stuck in and to, to, to adhere to the things that you heard today uh, because we don't want to just talk about these things. We, we want them to really be applied in your life so that the, you, know, you can live the, real, the full life that God has for you. Um, so maybe there are more people, Philip, here today that, that are impacted by this. I, I, I think... If I may, would you uh, just lead people in a prayer to to give their lives to Christ? And if maybe they realized I need I I'm, I thought I was saved, <laughs> but I was just so I was just you know committed by salvation, but I don't know anything about lordship. Maybe you know just help them to to pray that prayer, and uh, and then we can give a few practical tips of what to do after that. I think. Absolutely, Heinz. And I would also give you maybe a link to a whole 18 sessions we get on five minutes discipleship slots for people to learn. And if you're listening to us, if you're a born-again believer, my first encouragement will be if your own local church could not disciple you, please try it first then. Mm. But ultimately, you have a decision to make because you have a life to live. We carefully choose where we put our children in schools, but we're not carefully see where we grow spiritually. Mm. I mean, and I want to encourage you, you've got one life to live. Give it fully. And if you're sitting in listening to me today and you say, Phil, but I'm not sure if I'm born again. Let me help you. Being born again is not just a prayer you pray because we don't dictate salvation. Being born again is once you have maybe prayed prayer, the Spirit of God revived your heart and you became spiritually hungry to become more like Jesus. Yes. You want to stop with sin. You know, maybe not getting it right, but there's a desire in your heart to get out of sin, not to get into sin. Your, your direction has changed. If that's not happened. And you live with this uncertainty in your soul that if you had to die today, that you would go to heaven. You know what? You could, in humility right now, change that forever. Mm. Your eternity can change here right now. By what? Simply turn your faith to Jesus. Mm. I'm going to lead you in a prayer, and I'm going to ask you, if that's you, would you pray with me? And if you want to recommit your life to God, why don't you do this as we pray now? Father God, I come to you. I want to pray, ask you that you would pray after me wherever you are now. Father God, I come to you and I acknowledge that I'm lost. I acknowledge that I maybe have played religion. I've gone to church. I've done all the stuff, but I'm tired. I can't keep up with all the expectations. And Lord, today, I ask you, would you save me? Would you come into my life? And would you change my life? I give you my life, not out of fear, because you are the only one that I want to serve. Mm. I ask you to forgive me of my sins mm. and change my life. Make me more like you. Mm. And today, by faith, I accept, according to John 1 verse 12, that all who received you are worthy to be called sons and daughters of you. I accept you today. Come into my life, and I am your child as of today. Now, Holy Spirit... I ask you to lead me, guide me into all truth. Take charge of my life. Lord Jesus, I submit to your Lordship. You are the boss. You are over my life 
from this day on forever. Thank you, Father. Amen. If you've prayed this prayer, you know, it's the sad thing where the discipleship really kicks in. It's not just after we've got saved, but it's actually before they get saved. <laughs> but this moment where they, you've given your life to Jesus, it's a critical moment. None of you will have babies and leave them on the street. Yeah. They won't make it. Mm. You have to find a spiritual family. And if you can't, then please email us. I mean, um, our, you can go on our website, Every Nation 20. Um, you know, you can click on it. And we were willing to help you even across the nation to see where we can connect you. Yeah. But you have to find a spiritual family where you can journey with people like you who are on a journey to love Jesus. Amen. Don't play church, guys. Don't play church. Yeah. Let's see Jesus. So good. Uh, that, that lady, Monique, is saying thank you. <laughs> That's awesome. Thank you. If, even if it was just for that one life today, this was Absolutely. powerful. And uh, yeah, please, Monique and anyone else that had the same experience, please reach out. The great thing about Every Nation Church, it's in every nation and it's in every province. <laughs> so you've got a good chance of finding one. Uh, and uh, if, if you get stuck in any way, please, you can message us as well and we'll, we'll help you wherever we can. Uh, this, it's very important for you to not try and do this on your own. I can say from my own experience, I remember getting saved as a 16-year-old uh, and I was still in the church that I grew up in and I've, I lived a seesaw Christian life and falling back into sin, feeling guilty, trying to please God again and it was just a horrible experience because I wasn't being discipled properly and everything changed when I started being discipled properly. So make sure that you get stuck in with a life-giving, disciple-making church. And, uh, and we would love to help if we can. So, Philip, brother, I thank you so much for your time, for your heart, for your passion for Jesus. It is uh, contagious and uh, so great to, to chat to you. I uh, just want to honor you again. And uh, I would like to pray for you and, and your family and your church. Lord Jesus, I thank you for Philip and Renee, for Jesse, for Luca, for their family, for their spiritual family, their church, their local church, and all the churches that, that Philip uh, is a part of and oversees. Lord, we just pray that you will keep on blessing them, strengthening them, and guiding them. Thank you, Lord, for the, the amazing truth and revelation that, that Philip has and shares wherever he goes. I pray that there will be more opportunities with more people that they can hear the truth and that their lives can really be changed the way that we, we know only you can make happen. I thank you, Lord, that the message of the truth of your word about discipleship, lordship, spiritual family, authority, true authority will, will just go far and wide and really be um, the message behind a revival that we all want to see happen in this nation. Thank you, Father, that you bless this family and their ministry. And everyone that listened today, Lord, thank you that they are listening. And thank you that your spirit is going even beyond uh, what's happening here and touching lives and bring them into your fold, bring them into your church, wherever they may be, Lord. We pray that in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. Amen and amen. amen. Thank you, brother. Do you have anything else you want to add at the end here? Yeah, you know what? I just think about those people, not just those who gave their lives to Jesus, but every one of you sitting here say, where do I start? You start by getting up in the morning, opening up your Bible, and you read it. You study it. You meditate on it, and you obey it. That's where you start. Amen. You start off by listening to Jesus. Secondly, you start off by getting people around you that will not just agree with you, but people who want to help you to become more like Jesus. Mm. Get disciple. Get people in your life 
and be willing to be corrected, to be defined, be willing to be, you know, challenged and be willing to be loved and encouraged. Um, and then the third thing is, I want to encourage you, start to pray for lost people around you. Once you give your life to Jesus, immediately you have something to share. It's not how long you've been serving Jesus. It's how you serve Jesus. Mm. And start to immediately share what you happened to you, to other people, because many Christians learn not to share. And then five years later, we try to train them through evangelism trainings to go and share, but they've learned to live passive for five years. Wow. We need to teach people to share the gospel the day they get born again, that that becomes part of their culture and their lifestyle. Go and share the gospel that you got today. Mm. Email us. Love you guys. Thank you, Einsman. So good. Thank you, my brother. I really appreciate you. Just hang on there. I'm just going to greet people. Wow, what a what a fantastic session. It was so powerful. I'm, I'm inspired, encouraged. I hope that you are too. Uh, I think you can see now um, how lucky I was to, to have Philip in my life. And uh, I'm pleased, just as a final encouragement, make sure that you are part of a church where you are being discipled. And I can tell you from my own experience, yes, in the beginning, definitely it can be uncomfortable and challenging to open up your life, uh, not just from a trust point of view, but also from a, like, you just don't want people to know some of the stuff that's going on in your life. And I realized that. But that is exactly where sin has power, is in the darkness. And I want to encourage you, when you are willing to trust someone that loves Jesus and to say, listen, this is, this is my life. This is what is, is holding, holding me back. They can pray with you and you'll see how that stuff will lift off your life and how you will start walking in the holiness that Philip spoke about. So I want to encourage you to do that and know that God's love can really unlock anything in your life. Uh, God bless you. Please join us this Thursday at one o'clock. I'm going to be chatting to Pierre Smith. He's the lead elder at my own local church now. He also knows Philip quite well. And uh, it'll be great if you can join us live on, on Thursday at one again on these platforms. God bless you. Have a wonderful day. Bye-bye.